Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. The return of Carpenter Cast. Here we go again. We're back in. <laughs> we can never stay away for like very long. No. Because it's like a few weeks go by and already the the itch comes back. Exactly. It's in there. It's buried too deep. Uh, it, it did come to this. It uh, came to this. Uh, I'm Charlie. Says, I'm Eric. We're talking about our favorite John Carpenter. And, and this, is a, this is an important Carpenter movie, I think, for us. I think this was a big next step in our Carpenter fandom. Right, I think this exactly. This is a step we took together. Uh, I think that's why it's such an important movie. When I, I think of this movie so highly in my head, I can't tell if I just love it to pieces, or and it's not good, or if it <laughs> is as good as like I feel like I'm too blinded by now. I feel like to I always, properly judge it. I always heard this one was not good. Okay, so it's it's not as or uh, at least beloved. It's uh you know the the story is that John Carpenter kind of just it was a gig for him. Okay, rather than like a passion project. But I don't know if that's true because I think there's a lot of love in this movie. Yeah, I think there's a lot of heart and spirit. This does not feel cold. And uh, man, I I love this movie. Yeah, this is this Christine. Is deep for Did us. we say Christine yet? Christine. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christine, it's, folks. It's Christine. The killer car one. <laughs> it's yeah. Dolores Claiborne. Uh, but when you think about the pedigree on this thing, not only John Carpenter, master of horror. Yeah. But based on a Stephen King novel. Yeah. And uh, that's some heavy hitters right that's there. That's already huge. Yeah. The, that's a major collaboration. Two big masters of horror combined. And uh, Carpenter was going to work on Firestarter. So he was already... That's why it's like the whole just a gig thing, I don't totally buy either. Because right. it's not like he was unfamiliar with King. He was clearly intending to work with King on a project. Exactly. So it's like he was picking between King projects. That makes me feel way more invested. And I think it shows. But this movie obviously is special to us. And I think we should talk. We recently did a thing where we got to show five movies in a theater for friends. Yeah, we had a big five movie marathon. For our 100th episode celebration. And it's kind of crazy that... Christine was the movie we chose to lead off. Yep. The opener. That's that's big. That must mean something, right? This is the one we wanted to show. Lead off is important. I had some confidence in this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you really wanted it to be lead. I suggested changing it at one point and you said Yeah. Stick with it. Once it was like determined that this was the one we wanted to do. Yeah. Kind of like this is the John Carpenter entry for the day. I was like, I think we gotta, yeah, I think we did gotta we, roll out strong. Did we discuss up top with other uh, carpenters, or was this pretty much the go-to choice right from the? I we, feel, yeah, I feel like this was kind of the choice because we've talked about we've talked about a lot of our favorites already, right? And uh, I feel like we've seen a good number of them on the big screen recently. True, uh, because yeah, of our friends at the of cult Darkness film series, and, right? Uh, That's big the one I was thinking of, and the thing. They live even. I feel like we yeah. saw on the big screen a couple yeah, so we've gotten a year to see or two all ago. Of those. So this was one we had not. We had right. seen it once together. 
And that was the big John Carpenter life change. That was a revelation, I think. Yeah. yeah. This was maybe five years ago. Maybe longer. Um, you uh, had you had it on Blu-ray. Yes. Which I think was new at the time. Newer, not as uh, common. Yeah, but uh, so it's so yeah, it's been probably seven or eight years. But I think before that, I had only maybe seen it on TV, like in the '90s, kind of a thing. Okay, so it was like it's a movie that could play on TV. It doesn't take much to turn it. No, more PG thirteen PG. It actually they they were afraid it wasn't going to get an R rating because there wasn't enough like oh hardcore violence so they added in some of the language <laughs> just to get an R rating. Language feels added in. Yeah. It can it feels like it can be removed. But uh cuz yeah, the violence is all, you know, it's not like you actually see anybody get cut in half or violently run over, but it's scary. Oh yeah. So it it, it that's why it kind of for me it plays as TV movie horror. Feels very TV. It could have it because yeah, it, it could be. I can see the TV version of this still being effective because, like you said, it's swearing. Mm-hmm. I think the violence that's in the movie enough is off screen that you could keep it on TV. So I, I kind of connect with it on TV, but then seeing it on Blu-ray, I really connected with just how beautiful Carpenter made it all look. I'm, that's why I can't believe this was yeah. just a gig. There's too much care up on that screen yeah i uh the the movie is about this nerd arnie cunningham being obsessed with this car which yeah is alive this somehow alive but the uh the whole plot is like this car subduing and and and, uh taking over arnie and and hypnotizing him in many ways and yeah and i i feel hypnotized watching this movie killing for him yes and, and <laughs> he's like, she's like a vengeful old broad. <laughs> she's an angry lady, this yeah, Christine. Uh, and it's we so, get it right off the right off the top. It's so um easy for this to be dumb. Oh yeah, but I don't think what a, it what is. a ridiculous premise. Right, a killer car. A That's killer some schlocky car. stuff, right? And I don't even know. Like, okay, so you you recently read the book. I I, I got like a third of the way through. In the last couple of weeks, yeah, I, I listened to the audio book, so okay, a little but easier. Is there like a reason in the book why Christine is evil? Well, the or main, is it just like some cars are born evil? The main difference uh, in the book is that they buy the car from Roland LeBay, who is the owner. Right, there's an extra brother in the movie. More of the brother in the movie. Roland LeBay has already died, and they buy the car from George LeBay, his brother, yeah. who's the old man who says shitter. For the first time. <laughs> he introduces their shitters. Uh, and then uh, Roland <laughs> LeBay uh, is basically much more of like the spirit of Christine and kind of takes over Arnie so that Arnie kind of turns into Roland LeBay more. So it's a Roland LeBay. Uh, so he's like, more like yeah, afterlife he's, story. He's more like, yeah, this he's more like this. The possessor who is Whoa. take and then Dennis. Our, our kind of main narrator. Yeah. The, and in the movie, yeah, the, Arnie's friend. From the third of the book that I've read, Dennis is like the main character. Yeah. It's weird. The He's first, observing Arnie. The first third is from Dennis's point of view. The second third in the book is like an uh, omnipresent kind of narrator. Okay. And then, because Dennis is like in the hospital the whole time. Oh, right. And then the last third of the book, back to Dennis's point of view. <laughs> See? Strange. That's wild. Um. And then Dennis sees uh, Arnie as Roland LeBay, like as a rotting corpse in scenes. Oh, wow. So it's much more of this. And then Arnie's not in the car at the end. 
Okay, so some some so, big differences. There's wow, some differences. We, all right, we jumped through. <laughs> uh, I so uh, that's that's really cool. I like how closely though Carpenter really hewed to the material that King wrote. So much of it was really just King's words brought to life the, with yeah. really great casting. The crazy part is, yeah, especially the first half of the movie is how dead on it is to the novel, like word for word. Uh, yeah, we. We already said shitter. One of our favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite moments in the movie is when they're buying the car at the beginning from uh, LeBay, George yeah. LeBay, uh, the guy from Home Alone, as my wife yeah, recognized, the, the old man from Home Alone. The guy who's with the, the name Roberts. Uh, he's a His great. Roberts Blossom. Yeah. First name Roberts. Yeah, he plays plural. the old man, uh, lives next door, the neighbor. Somehow uh, looking older in Christine than he looked. Oh. Dirty later dirty. next decade in Home Alone. Yeah, he's got grimy. Like, he's just got nothing but like the uh, overalls. Yeah, and, the back uh, brace. Just yeah, the hair's gone crazy. Dirty dude. He calls Dennis our, our kind of friend of Arnie. Calls him a shitter. And <laughs> man, I don't know if we love that. Just re- Wisconsin regional late seventies slang. I don't know. Well, reading the book, then so much of the dialogue was taken from the book. I was like. I was like, where's Shitter? Because yeah. you don't hear Shitter like in the beginning of the book. Like 150 pages in, it's not there. And I was like, wait a minute. Because all of these phrases are in the book. And then I'm like, did Carpenter add Shitter on his own? Yeah. And I was thinking, oh my God, that's a... Yeah. Like he's to he's to blame for that he, regional. He added shitter to this already eclectic array of swear words yeah, that you probably, get in this movie. Probably twenty five thirty percent of the way through, Christine. Yeah, not in there. Uh, it, and it, then in one paragraph, you get like a dozen. It just gets introduced to you, and it becomes just do- it dominates a page. Well, then by the end of the book, it's like every other word, essentially. <laughs> Arnie specifically <laughs> speaks in nothing but shitter. <laughs> Just calls everyone a shitter. Oh, no. His mom's a shitter. Dad's a shitter. It's too much. Certainly Dennis and Lee. You can't. No, the girlfriend. not Dennis and Lee. Oh, they're shitters. Oh, God. Oh, man. And I listened to the audiobook, and as uh, <laughs> the guy reading it's great, but he, you know, when you do an audiobook, you have to, like, do different voices for everyone. Yeah. So his, like, Arnie LeBay voice is like, you're all shitters. <laughs> so <laughs> half the book at the end is just Arnie being like, "You shitter. You you're just like the rest of them shitters." Yeah, it was. It's a fun listen. It's a fun listen. It sounds awful. <laughs> and then it Lee would be like, like the troll, but he then it's like, like leprechaun, just like Bleh. Lee. You know the girlfriend role, the back brace being red as Lee is like. Dennis, what's going to happen? <laughs> I don't know, I said. God, I can't do it. Cool. I've only done like a couple audiobooks of th- like stuff with narration. I can't do it. It's too... It's so funny. I don't like it. I don't like the... Mm, I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, it's so weird. We can't get two people. You don't read like that in your own voice? You don't put on like a, a girl voice every time Some, a girl maybe, or woman talks? I might. I might. I Mentally, don't know. Yeah, it's off-putting though, and so this sounds terrible. It's pretty great. Oh God, I didn't realize I already leaned into it so hard. So Carpenter made like a executive decision to be like, "Look, we gotta have some shitters." Oh yeah, but we can't but just let a it dominate the content, people. Just enough in the movie. Yeah, you get 
maybe the one time where Arnie calls Lee a shitter <laughs> to uh, to really kind of make that connection. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, this is maybe the rare instance where I kind of like the movie more than the book. Interesting. To be honest. That's a big shots fired, I think, the in book, any situation. The book also has this kind of dumb subplot of Arnie running drugs for Darnell. Yeah, it really... And stuff. And it's like, no, not necessary The book all. really gave much more to Darnell's yeah. ongoings and his shenanigans. And there's a little bit more of the uh, detective. Well, remember you... It, it, the Carpenter basically hints the right amount. In the movie, it's always like... Yeah, he's just out running parts for Darnell again. Right. That's all you hear about I think, it. Yeah, I think for Car- all we know, he's just delivering normal parts to a junkyard. But in the book, it we go deep into Darnell's like mob history, right? And his his launderings and how we get on all, all his scams. We really know his schemes, and he's really just a cranky garage owner in yeah. the movie. It felt like the book just had a lot more of just kind of this space filling yeah. nar- narrative is, stuff and the book is 525. It's a it's And a, I mean Misery is is only like 300. Mm-hmm. And Misery feels like plenty of a complete story that happens over a span of months. So it right. really, you can really feel these two hundred and twenty-five extra pages. Well, you know whether it was Carpenter or, or the the guy who wrote the screenplay, uh, Bill Phillips, okay. based on the novel, um, they knew to take just the best parts. Because Chris- and 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 I I actually like the simplifications they do, where they yeah. don't they don't bother with this uh, possession by LeBay thing. Yeah, Christine in this movie, it, compared to the book. Christine feels like her own beast, her own monster, her own entity that, yeah. that controls her owners, surely, uh, and and kills anything in its path. But I, I feel like Christine's almost more uh, of a presence in the movie than it, and then in the book. It, it she almost feels like she becomes a tool of LeBay, you know. Oh, interesting. Um, I like how she's her own, just like sentient jobs. Yeah, just pure evil from the get-go, from the factory line, you know? And just anyone unlucky enough to fall in love with her to get, you know, now, hypnotized by her charms. I really like the fact that they don't really explain any of it. <laughs> they just I know. let you think that do some too. cars Absolutely. might that a car might be born evil. I could happen. I get weirdly scared by the idea of uh, inanimate objects coming to life. Sure. It's a maybe a weird, unfounded fear to have, but you know, you're well, watching enough happy movies about things coming to life. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be some darkness that seeps into that. I don't know. That's that'd be the the worst thing for me to witness. But like, out of all inanimate objects that could come to life, cars are even way low on that scale of like scary. I don't know, man. The more I think about it, the more cars freak me out. <laughs> that is the most responsibility I'm given. Ever. That's true. I'm controlling a heavy, dangerous piece of equipment mm-hmm. just on a Tuesday. That's weird if you step back, especially if when I've been working from home and I go out driving for the first time in two months. Right. It's, it's, like, it's a weird right, feeling. Just going down the street and it's like, like <laughs> there's some super familiar, but you're just like, I'm trusted doing this. Oh, it could go so wrong so quickly, right? So it's weird. But yeah. But I, cars themselves aren't usually just like me walking down the street being like, 
Jesus, look at that car. Let's get out of here. Well, like you see a doll sitting in a chair or something, you're immediately creeped out. Yeah, immediately I, it's like, I don't like this. I never really like look at a classic car and, and just like, oh, God. If anything, we've our brains have been poisoned with like Grand Theft Auto brain. Yeah. Where you just see a cool car and you're just like, if you've been playing a GTA game, you're just like, upgrade to this Humvee. And then go to or <laughs> take like this sports car. The Cars Pixar movies or something. Every, right. You know. There's no, there's no scary car. Every scary car movie, maybe I get the TV movie vibe because it was always something like James Brolin in The Car. Right. Which will have one cool scene of a car like ripping through a double wide trailer or something. And then the rest is just like a car kind of spinning and kind of slowish <laughs> circles around people. Yeah. And... Uh, it's tough, man, to make a 90-minute movie about a killer car with no explanation on why the car is evil because there's no good explanation. No, it you would just be ridiculous anything, anything you come up with. Anything is silly. Yeah. You can't say so it's better to just... Look, we can't... T- it's happening, obviously. So just let's figure that out first. It's... Uh, I mean, again, yeah, There's. I don't think there's anything wrong with it being this kind of unknowable evil. Like, no. that's that's a king thing to me. And certainly Carpenter dabbles in that with, you know, yeah. movies later on. Stephen in his King and John Carpenter extent are really good at creating things to be scared of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, right? Green ooze in, <laughs> Thanks, the, in a church basement that shouldn't be scary. Yeah, right. Terrifying. It just nope. Let's create new things to just be afraid of or yeah. just be uneasy about. That's the thing we've talked about this before, on air and in private about. You never can tell which things are going to affect you in the scare department long term. Which scares you see at age 9, 10, 11, 12. Mm. No matter how uh, you know, PG or G rated the scares were. If it was on a Peanuts special or something. Right. It's, right. A scare can be a scare. Whatever the age is. But you can never tell which ones are going to stick with you. It can be the dumbest stuff. One of the biggest scares that always stuck with me was in the movie Toys, mm-hmm. Robin Williams. Sure, Toys movie. Uh, that thing in the water. I was gonna say the giant slug. Uh, yeah, that might be a robot. The thing in the water. It was unexplained. Nobody, yeah. no, no reason given. Nothing explained. Just existed. For. Who knows what reason? I cannot be in a body of water, even if it's a swimming pool, without thinking of that stupid thing. That's like the thing in the trash compactor in Star Wars. Yeah. Like, what the fuck what is, is that? What is it? What does this thing <laughs> live on? He almost killed him. Ugh. So, yeah, that mean. stuff ekes me out. And you can never tell what it's going to be. And I never would have guessed it would be a car, but damn, if I don't buy into some of the big scares in Christine. Yeah. And I think you and I had that moment where we both bought into it. I had that distinct moment of us, like, uh, of everybody else suddenly getting quiet because we were just dominating the conversation with all our Christine talk. (laughs) All our new praise of just, like, each amazing scene. It was like we saw it for the first time. It was just so, uh, man, Carpenter movies have that effect. This movie especially, though, creeps up on you. Yes. Um, 
The opening has got some George Thorogood bad to the bone playing. Okay, okay. It, it starts off like a not car. Like the first half hour is just does not feel like a Carpenter no, movie, right? Th- this is huge. Yeah. This is a, a crazy mind. Okay, so first off, bad first. to the bone. I, <laughs> dude. Okay, this was was it not just no. in every movie for like no, thir- thirteen he, years? Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I can never understand. Okay, the stones it must take to write a song called Bad to the Bone. Like, can you imagine what kind of lifetime of jokes you are potentially setting up at your own expense? Oh, yeah. Imagine pushing all in on telling a world in song form how cool you are. Well, and not only that, but... sunglasses. your Your first whole verse is about being a baby. Right, it starts with your deep, <laughs> deep, deep, deep origin Girl, story. Girl, I'm bad in the bone, even as a baby. Picture me I'll as a baby. It's just started. I'm cool story with birth. Like you're starting small potatoes. I'm naked in a room, all right? Like, Nurses are looking at me. Even, a, even okay, then, like, I was pretty badass. Okay, but like... No, I love let's, it. Let's also I let's was a be baby. realistic. <laughs> At their coolest, what's like the coolest a baby can be? Like what's the like when he's saying he's a standout amongst babies? Like, right. come, uh, how could like, you know? How could you know? How could really, you know? it's like, oh, that's a cool baby. No, maybe he had like a stubble. Babies are. He came d- out yeah, with a, like know. a five o'clock shadow. Maybe he had like a cool face. I don't know. Babies are dumb. <laughs> like, babies aren't cool. Well, the nurse said, leave this one alone. Like, she's like, put it in the river. Forget this baby. It's evil. Pure evil. Yeah. I and mean, that's Christine. But it's so easy to, <laughs> to picture the song, like, behind the, the redheaded kid in Problem Child. Exactly. Not an actual cool thing. Or the Terminator, right? Yeah, right? Well, when you're writing a song about how cool you are from birth... <laughs> from day one because you made nurses nervous <laughs> that's weird weird brag already a weird brag already very weird i'm just saying if you're getting a drink in a bar and a guy comes up to you and is like you know when i was a baby yeah <laughs> I'm like all right the nurses later, fella. hated being around me <laughs> legendary hatred of a baby <laughs> You this they the you want to know how bad of, to the of bone how I am. awful I was, how unpleasant my shift was made, and then so, he, yeah. and then he's like also during the chorus, I want to do a long stutter. <laughs> Stutters were cool in rock and roll back in the day. That was such a like, I mean I don't have the foresight to know what that like the thong song was going to be successful. Yeah, because if I picture myself saying like thong to thong thong thong, I'm like, nope, the masses will never buy this. But the masses did buy it. They did. The people spoke, and they wanted Cisco, and they wanted George Thorogood and the Destroyers. They loved it. They loved. I think the it was on the radio. Bees he put into bad. They loved it. They ate it up. It's insane how deeply this song connected it should have been the lamest dad shit ever i mean it kind of was yeah <laughs> but again but it's the most it hit a durable dad like it's transcended the genre it's its own thing it's the most its own thing novelty song yeah. ever 
This song should have been. This could have been Weird Al. Levels of of shit, man. It it really it's just like some bar room thing that yeah should never have made it past. This is the cool, local like, circuit. Look, if you have a stepdad who has his own exterminator business, <laughs> and during his local ad, he put on sunglasses and a leather jacket and called himself the X Terminator. Oh boy, and had, and had bad to the bone playing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have to do that. You have to, obviously. But this song is such a risk. The risk right up Thorough top. Good took. Also, but but John Carpenter taking that risk and putting this lead, at the opening lead. of a John Carpenter movie. Yeah, the man known for these iconic scores. This score is, was such a, seeing it in the theater, again, first time either of us had seen it in the theater, right? Sure, of course. We just had... I had, I am not a car guy. No, not at all. But it's crazy how much I love looking at certain cars in movies. I love a great car movie, but I still somehow don't consider myself a car guy. I know what you mean. But this Plymouth Fury, Mm. I like looking at this car. And I like learning how weird things, how I guess the stock color of that year was just a beige color with gold trim. So this was just an anachronism. And they even have that cool scene with all those practical Christines. Yeah. Like they had 25 Plymouth Furies in the shot, and every one of them was just straight white. It's like that, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland white bed of roses with that one mm. red right in totally. the middle. And yeah. That, that red color on Christine, there's like not many prettier things to look at on film. And the fact that he somehow makes it scary too, it's incredible. Yeah, he makes it. it, it it's alluring. Yeah, and because it's supposed to be sexy, because yeah. Arnie gets super horny for it. Exactly. In weird it's, ways, it's supposed to seduce you. Yeah, but also, yeah, it is. It's got this great, just kind of unnatural uncanniness to it. Yeah. And, it's a uh, car ghost story, but we don't ever like get too deep into the ghost lore. Mm-hmm. Just that it is, and uh, it's happening. They figure out stuff pretty quick, but it somehow it never gets silly. The acting can be silly, but it's so its own cool thing. Well, it's, and it's, its uh, own feel. Like I was saying, uh, it, the first half hour doesn't feel like a Carpenter movie because. Not only do you not really hear much of the score at all. No. You but don't... you get this like weird kind of horny high wow. school uh, it's sex such a, comedy it's a, it's going. It's such a horny teen comedy. This is maybe the... I know there was a lot of horniness in Halloween. Yeah. Those, you know, uh, PJ Souls and Nancy oh. Loomis are horny. I get it. But They're... this movie is lewd. <laughs> this thing is... Like if you heard your friends talk about girls like this, you'd be like... Dude, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And there is a lot of that uh, to blame on Stephen King. The uh, you know nothing smells better than this. Uh, line oh yeah, straight yeah. Out of the that's, no- that's a Stephen. That's King. from the that's novel. That's the kind of thing when I, that's when you like know you're getting away with something when you're twelve. Right. Oh, when you're yeah. reading that book at the library, and I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, probably shouldn't be reading this. This is yeah. This is horny. This is a thing I'm keeping to myself. Uh, but yeah, you've got. Uh, not only do they want to get Arnie laid because he is the prototypical Dude, they even nerd. Say, they even say like, man, 
we got to get you laid this right. summer. Arnie's like, the total they nerd. straight up say that. Uh, Dennis, his friend, is kind of the jock, but they've been friends since they were little kids. So, that, you know, Dennis is the one that yeah. defends Arnie. Pretty early on, you get the pretty typical bully scene where they get his... It's so, like... It's very... It, yeah. it, it, it feels very 50s. It, it, the whole idea is that Christine is a 58 Fury. The the movie and the book take place in 79, but everything feels like the 50s when you're around yeah. Christine. Old songs on the radio... That old yeah, a vibe. Lot of, a lot of Buddy Holly. And but the, even the like bully scene, it's like they've got his lunch. It's like, really? Well, Walk dude, away from your uh, lunch. Who cares? But it's like. I love. It, it has the great. They're like, kind of like Stephen King kind of hyper exaggerated characters. Yeah. And there's none more exaggerated than Buddy Repperton. Oh. And his gang of goons. In the man. pantheon of King asshole bullies. <laughs> Repperton, man. I used to like undervalued bully in this. I, I used to really, I don't know if scared of was the right word, but believably scared of uh, Billy Zabka in Karate Kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought that was attainable, scary levels of bully. Mm. Like a bully going a little too far. Hitting, yeah. Beating the shit out of you. Yeah. In a believable way. Yeah. I thought somehow so, karate so that was one always kind of was scary to me just because that felt like, so I could see that getting to a point. Yeah. But with Buddy Repperton, man, it's already so the one thing Christine is really a trip. It's a weird flick, and it's a a killer car movie has always been a total joke when it had ever been tried before. Mm-hmm. So the fact that two of the best names in horror were getting together to show them a cool car movie, it's already a big step. But then you add all these weird surreal elements to it, like almost everybody's age in the movie feeling just incorrect right the age differences are all out of whack like arnie's parents are all look like 25 years apart buddy repperton looks like a 40 year old man it's insane even yeah the the average age i think of the actors it was like 20 yeah which is pretty typical right yeah some of them are are younger but that only makes but it's like not only do they get older people they got people with older faces yeah but yeah the guy who plays Buddy Repperton, William Ostrander, not in much, but he was only like 22 when this movie came out. Yeah, he, he pretty young, actually. looks 35 years old. <laughs> but he is, yeah. Minimum. And he is he has a cool, badass look. The guy looks <laughs> too badass. Yeah, he, he's, it's a total greaser, leather jacket, Yeah, big 70s hair. His hair, his freaking jawline. Oh, oh my God. It's the it, it it that's where you imagine yourself as like a juvie guy getting into the adult prison or something, right? Yeah, like man. He does not. A doesn't look like he should be in high school. No. B doesn't even look like he should be allowed near high school age children. He's got, he's got the fucking meatiest mutton chop sideburns, dude. Yeah. He's got this insane kiss hair. His hair is incredible. Mm. All time movie hair on some good on, hair in this on movie. this guy. It's a good. It's a good overall hair movie. <laughs> Some of Harry Dean Stanton's best hair. Too. Oh yeah, I love his. Quaff. Haven't even brought him up yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, he doesn't come up until like an hour plus <laughs> into the movie. But, uh, dude, Buddy Repperton, what a freaking character! What a wild casting choice. Like you said, this guy is barely in anything else, mm-hmm. like single digit credits. Right. But what a presence! This is you know King has invoked that fear of bullies before those reactions that are a little more real and it 
Man, anytime a bully with like a switchblade. Oh yeah, holy god! Very yeah, classic switchblade action. King King loves the big bully with switchblade, and there's never been a bigger dude with a switchblade. With my luck, the next dude I sh- yelled a shut up at the movies. If it stands up and it's Buddy Repperton, <laughs> I will eat shit so fast. Yeah, I will just be like, you know what? <laughs> I think it was a different guy. <laughs> actually, right? You know what? Like pointing someone else out. I'm actually all right with this. So carry on. I think we're good. Yeah, I think we're good here. I'll do it immediately. What am I gonna do? But it's funny, he's an intimidating dude, and he's got his whole gang, right? Yeah. He's got good, Moochie good Welch. Gang. Moochie. Uh, we are, see, we are un- he's got some accidentally guys. celebrating that man. Oh, Moochie. I know. We watched Popcorn recently, too. Malcolm Denaire. Malcolm Denaire, yeah. Uh, Denaire, it's a knows? cool. Uh, it's a cool group, guy with the big curly fro. Another guy who oh, was yeah. in Friday the 13th, the whole, uh, right. 2. The whole gang is like these guys who are famous for being in other movies. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got... A lot got, of good horror vets uh, uh, in the gang. Steven Tash is known for being the guy that gets zapped <laughs> in Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's the guy with the hair. Uh, he's got the big hair like he does shot. in Ghostbusters. And he he hardly does anything, but think to have these two roles. Yeah. Especially that opening shot in Ghostbusters. That what a memorable scene. That's great. How cool is it? I mean, just to get that. That's great, man. Yeah, you got Moochie again in popcorn and in some in popcorn, other cool stuff. And, and the curse. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. He's Claude uh, Aiken's son. Yes. The guy who plays Vandenberg was in Friday the thirteenth part two and a couple others. Yeah, it's like so yeah, some just cool good stuff. uh cool horror guys in this. The whole cast is pretty I love great. It. I, I gotta say, the guys who play uh yeah, both Keith Gordon and John Robert, Stockwell. Robert Prosky again. Uh you get Robert Prosky as Darnell. He's got the great growly yeah, man. gravelly voice. We got to see him full Chicago in Thief, and this is him getting the deeper Wisconsin. Right. Yeah. Uh and, and then yeah, Harry Dean Stan. Harry Dean shows Stan up. shows up an hour in and it's so I love the guy. Oh. I get the most joy watching him. We need to do some more Harry Dean Stanton movies for I sure. I love him so much. What a guy. He's he's just I got nothing but love for it. And anytime he's, a sweetheart. he's on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, right. Just even even most, as the detective in this movie, he is just he is uh he's just a the sweet most lovable soul. dude, man. Yeah. yeah, right? Just ugh, I love the guy. And it's a good good cast. We get uh, Kelly Preston is so cute. Oh yeah. And pretty. We even get a little Kelly and, Preston uh, action. It's just, I don't know. I loved how the movie looked on Blu-ray so much, and it felt like you and <laughs> it felt like an important movie in the, the one of the movies that uh, encouraged us to do this whole podcast. Yeah, because we spent so much time then just talking to each other about why Christine worked so well for us. Right. Well, again, it because it, it really up. seemed to connect to us that day. Well, uh, yeah. So, like I'm saying, we get all these great kind of like teenage actors and antics and. And, uh, you know, guys asking other, you know, guys trying to ask girls out, guys doing fake humping behind for their friends, all that (laughs) nasty stuff. But then the movies, you know, once Arnie discovers Christine and he takes on this obsession and he slowly, slowly starts to change and the music starts getting in there a little bit. And all of a sudden, like, this thing becomes really creepy. And there's something about the way that they capture the car on film. Oh man! Just draws you into it. Well, that you think of all the the ways the tone changes, and you know when Christine comes in, she's a total barely running piece of junk mm-hmm. before her transfer, kind of quick transformation. Like you said 
the weird thing, the weird trick this played that I never really put together until we watched it in a great, big, beautiful theater. Whenever I think of my favorite Carpenter scores, and Carpenter scores are the music I listen to the most right. in life, Christine always comes up almost first every time as one that I adore. And then this viewing really made me realize you barely hear a score until an hour into this movie. Exactly. 45 minutes, you get a couple cues. But you don't get full score. Until then, it's all like Buddy Holly, or it's that George Thorogood song, which, again, I'm sorry. <laughs> there is so... If I wrote a song called Badge of the Bone, it would... It's... The odds of it just coming off sounding like, I'm... A cool guy, and, and I don't have a weird shaped dick. <laughs> like, nope. Everybody would be like, no, nah, that guy's dick's weird. Definitely weird. George Thorogood's weird. How did it work? How did it captivate millions? I don't know, man. That confidence. Incredible. <laughs> like, it would be like if Billy Squire tripled his audience. Right. Instead of getting laughed off <laughs> the face of the planet. Like, yeah, it's like, this made him only the biggest star. I love it. So, fuck it. Use it. But the whole first yeah. half of the movie, first hour of the movie, it's weird. So I got the, the full, beautiful synth score on vinyl. Oh, nice. But the commonly sold version in stores for the longest time was the Christine soundtrack. Right. Which was all of the rock songs that Christine played, which is so weird and lame to me. So, like, the cassette that I have just has George Thorogood and, you know, Buddy Holly and all right. these Richie other... Valens yeah, and, yeah. All these other songs, but, okay. My parents... We, we went to Hot August Nights when we were younger in Reno, because mm. my dad had a 65 Mustang. Okay. And my dad... Had this dad rule of like only old songs, play, only old. It had tape deck, so that was where he listened to like the Beach Boys and anything before '65. Gotcha. It's a cool rule to have. Made me listen to more cool old music, you know. But why would I get like a Christine collection? Right. But why a you cassette know, in to, the '80s of that? Yeah. Why would I be like, you know what? This is the perfect mix. Of the 50s tunes that I like to play in my cassette play. Like, who's buying the Christine collection? Usually it's, uh, you know, Frankie Avalon's 18 favorite beach songs. Right. Like, I get having one of those comps around. Right, they know? have those Time Life collections <laughs> yeah. already for you. So why do I need this cassette of, like, these rock and roll jams inspired by Christine? Right. Like, it's missing the Wolfman Jack interludes. Maybe, but, I mean, I, I do feel like just releasing a synth score was not a thing that happened in the 80s. I guess so. You know, that's just... I, but, maybe maybe they did. I, I could I mean, be wrong. Stuff, it's but, stuff like Vangelis uh-huh. was, uh, was popular, but it had to be more New Age, I think, for it to get any kind of uh, widespread release back then. Well, how long is the synth score that you have on vinyl then? It's shorter. It's one of his shorter ones. I was going to say, because there is kind of like a main theme... Yeah, and I think that's kind of it. Even so, it just it plays over and over. One like uh, in, in, like the fog, the score of the fog yeah. is huge. He had so many long, big, huge orchestra, orchestral cues for four or five minutes. So it's a huge, huge score. 
But then there's others of his like uh, Assault on Precinct 13 or right. Christine. That Just kind of one el- All the sound of the movie is 22 to 25 minutes because it's a main recurring theme mm-hmm. that kind of loops into it. And uh, But something like The Fog has so much extra music that like didn't even make the screen. He wrote such a huge piece for it. Cool. So the Christine piece is really focused. Yeah. But I... I always think of it as one of my absolute favorite it works <laughs> scores in, from my absolute favorite composers. It works and then in I'm, every scene. And I'm watching this movie and being like, geez, we are like an hour deep. When does this badass score kick in that I always hype up to everybody and now I'm showing first right. <laughs> at this movie, the score that I don't shut up about. And then when it finally starts hitting. Yeah. But it's crazy that it's only like the final 45 minutes of the movie and the first is just dominated by... Little Richard, right? Well, it, I think it's smart. <laughs> I think it's smart to slowly introduce you to the idea of Christine as this entity because you have to buy into that. If if it was just right off the bat, first, you know, you know, yeah, fifteen minutes, it's out there running around being crazy. You're like, wait, what are we? What are we doing? Yeah, what here? are we doing? So one it, thing it, the movies that makes it effectively scary for me is that the people reacting to it immediately take it seriously. Mm. Nobody lingers too long on how implausible it is. So just like we don't get an explanation for why it's evil, people start getting suspicious that it's evil and it's making Arnie evil quick. And that's good. People are scared of it. Nobody's just going like, it can't be. It's a car. People are taking it weirdly serious and that's good. That makes me more scared of all of it. Well, when you, uh, as the bullies do, when you destroy a car, yeah, and then you see it like a week later, back to perfect condition. <laughs> That's uh, scary. Hard to explain. Picture that. Picture yeah. seeing that. If you lived in a small town, you know, I I grew up in a town with twelve thousand people, and when I would drive to either my grandparents' house or to school. I would take the same route through the same parts of town, mm-hmm. see the same cars, drive past the same old Volkswagen Beetle that some dude. What if I drove by one time and it was gleaming? Right, exactly. With the freshest paint job ever. How weird that would be to see on from a Tuesday to a Wednesday, and how just kind of humanly unsettling it is. <laughs> how how it points out how weird cars' existence around us is. <laughs> Yeah, right. You know, how much space they do realistically take up. Uh, it's just a thing like making you think of an, an everyday object differently. And this movie handles it really well because people do take it seriously and things become undeniable. Well, you get a great detective introduction because things look weird. Looks like Arnie's a murderer. Well, yeah, yeah. Even the bodies t- are turning up that all seem to have beefs with Arnie. Yeah, e- exactly. It's, uh, yeah. Everyone knows that these guys destroyed Christine. Yeah. Because of the small town thing. Yeah. Everyone knows that Arnie's been working on this car. Yeah. And this uh, long fixing project. it up. I think that's the first time we get the score is when the fully rejuvenated Christine shows up at the football game. I think that's Could the be. first time I picture that they long, so, slow synth lead in to uh, his buddy's unfortunate fate I could that see you that. all saw coming the slow motion running down the field and him not paying attention right Dennis getting you knew it was going to be a bad game. Lucas situation so I think that's the introduction of the Carpenter score 
into the flick. That's when they, Could, we get one of the classic right. Carpenter score stabs. Yeah. When it cuts to the long shot of Christine before we get the headlights one 15 minutes later. Right. I think that's our early tease. So I think I like that slow build. Mm-hmm. I like that lead in to... Like I said, I think you need it for it to be as effective as it is to believe that Arnie could go from this uber nerd to this kind of dark... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's kind mean, of playing it like uh, he's a cool guy, but he's also like a total dick. Yeah. Turning into just a, a kind of an asshole. But also, and this is kind of comes up in the book too in a good way, like he becomes a stranger. Like he just... Uh-huh suddenly is someone you don't know and uh yeah the 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 way that it relates his behavior to kind of what happens to could happen to kids when they become teenagers and yeah they i think we've all had you know to some degree that kind of experience whether it's drugs or just we've all had depression falling out with a friend exactly i think that's a a very normal thing to go through that part is very relatable and Uh you have to have that relatable friendship falling out girlfriend you know that you like your guys you know your friend's girl all this kind of relatable emotional stuff yeah to then buy into also there's a car that drives itself around and can regenerate itself to me that's the most <laughs> unbelievable part of so the whole movie this movie it, it was really crazy how out of all the john carpenter movies we could have picked to show i think we both arrived at christine pretty decisively pretty early I don't know if I knew it was going to be the first one shown, mm-hmm. but I think we knew that was that was the one we wanted to see on the big screen. Oh yeah, I definitely wanted to see it again as soon as we watched it, you know, several years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's always one that I had wanted to watch again. And I I don't think I've seen it since we watched it. I had not that, either. Yeah, you know, it was one of those great experiences to the point like, where I was like, oh right, this thing opens up with fucking bad to the bone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then be going like, oh boy, <laughs> I'm a cool baby. <laughs> Nope. Nope. You're not a cool baby. So You're stupid. not cool. It's yeah. it's really hard. Like, even in sunglasses, it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess. How do you make it cool? Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough spot to start. But in. then Pumping an hour you. in, once the action picks up, you're like, we made the right choice. Yeah, we did this. Yeah. It's it's just odd when I, I think of it. My brain always thinks that Carpenter scored a Moochie's death scene. Yeah. That stabbing, picker, frantic, the pace pickings up uh, kind of song. I think of that when I think of this score and when I think of Carpenter in general. But it's crazy how deep into the movie it takes to get us into that. When we watch one of our absolute joys, Halloween 3, mm. you get Carpenter's score from bell to bell. Sure. Nothing but his squeals and squalls and stabs and, like, slow synths. As you do with a lot of Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. Just front and center the whole time, guiding us. It's the best accompaniment. And so it is cool how absent he chose to be until it felt like 50, 55 minutes in when it really was happening. It's like, oh, shit's picking up. Right. Now we're going into this. It's like the it's more... getting into the serious stuff. It, the more supernatural it gets... Then the more, yeah, yeah the, the less grounded in reality, and the atmosphere kind of brings. Now we're going into, that. into this since I thought it was so cool, and I think that's why I always think of it as maybe my favorite, just because of how memorably it fits in with its its scenes. The visuals are so strong; some of his best. Mm. I mean, these kills are are the the scenes, especially where Moochie and then later Buddy and the other guys get it. Yeah, are such 
awesome payoffs to what you've been building to. <laughs> These bullies get it. Uh, it's so satisfying, but, especially the uh, the Moochie one I feel like is like... Oh, wow. Just if you had to pick just one scene, that's the one. That's scary, man. It, uh, it is scary. When but you first see Christine thing, driving by herself, you know? Yeah, Carpenter, we've talked about this before, this son of a gun, <laughs> for all the accusations of a guy just taking a gig... He sure does have a career filled with getting to do every kind of movie. Hmm. How many guys get to do... We've talked about this before. He's gotten to do every kind of movie. Slasher movies, zombie movies. This is his car movie. Westerns. Westerns. Sure. Like He gets sci-fi movies. He gets to do every kind of movie. That's awesome that he gets to do a car movie. And he <laughs> fucking crushes this car movie. The yeah, car he- stuff in this movie. He makes this car look gorgeous oh yeah and menacing and the stunt driving is always great yeah, yeah he doesn't really have another movie where there's like car action huh no like huh. how I never can really he do, considered that how can he do every genre within these with every subgenre within genre filmmaking and just get it yeah this guy is incredible he's, he's good but <laughs> i think this guy's pretty good this guy's pretty good this to get me to be scared of a 1958 automobile <laughs> right you know, but I am somebody, like I said, this weird, unexplainable fear of inanimate objects, of just seeing a thing move and you're not sure why. Oh, yeah. it's That stuff will drive you mad. But it all happens. It's believable. It's a thing. And so uh, then movies like Toy Story, they're all happy. It's like, yeah, it just makes me think about this shit happening when I'm not around. Mm-hmm. All right? It's just trying to mess with me. And so I don't like this kind of stuff. It does bug me. And he made Christine look scary. And I it was scary on my TV when we watched it at one day on a Saturday at like 4 p.m. Right. Bright, sunny day. Christine was scary because a lot of this horror happens. You're seeing Christine in bright daylight. She's so scary on that football field. Hmm. So, un, so oddly menacing when she shouldn't be. Really. We don't no, have, yeah, you exactly. know. But it is, and it's framed in such a beautiful way, and it really is scary and intense. And once the kills start happening, the moochie death, that's just, when I think of a carpenter sound, that is it. Mm. That is that sound. Poor moochie, by the way. It's tough being the barely fatter guy <laughs> in your stable of goons. Right. The guy who pulled out his sweet throat choke ball grab oh move. yeah he's the one it's that... also just dis- this is another thing that boy it is described in detail in the book exactly scene for frame how it moochie does it in the movie just grabs dennis by the throat and then just grabs all the balls and stephen king spent like two paragraphs describing this maneuver <laughs> yep in the book man he sure it's does like carpenter's like look we got to let the page just sing it to us. You do this. Let it speak to you. Exactly. And But Moochie is like maybe 15, 20 pounds overweight. He's got fat guy face. He's got kind of a, well, his he's face got a baby way face. fatter than his body. Yeah. yeah. He looks like Jeff Garland. Sure, like exactly. I'm like a guy with just like a kind of skinny, fat, teenage, chubby belly. Teenage Jeff Garland kind of look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Garland with his adult man head. So that's tough. Right. So I think that's it. But but he all instantly gets pegged as the chubby oaf. Well, he's the only one. Yeah, like Moochie. 
Moochie, yeah. Every, Everyone the next else guy's is like rich. Don. Buddy. Yeah. Buddy, Don, <laughs> Rich. Moochie. Moochie. Old Jughead over here. Yeah. Old Chubbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ed- guys, come on. I'm like the. There's like other guys bigger than me around here. Right. And he's the one si- singled out <laughs> yeah. first by, by Christine. But Christine picks off the, the weak gazelle. Man, Moochie getting. Dude, I'd be scared to. I'd be scared as hell, man. Car's lights come on when I'm alone on a street. That stuff always scares me, no matter what the car is doing. Well, again, a car like that get out. A Ugh. car that 48 hours earlier or something you had completely destroyed. Okay, so we haven't even talked about the incredible. You're talking uh, about Oscar-worthy effects. I don't think this got any notice, but the Christine regenerating scene is insane. I've it's I know how they've done it. I've watched things on how they did it. I've read about how they've done it. It still looks incredible. There's no seams to this. It's all practical effects. Yeah. Right? It's too early for any kind of yeah, CGI. Yeah, it's all practical. And you see this car just right in front of you go from dented and crumpled to perfectly fine. To yeah, restructuring itself. And it doesn't in real even look time. it doesn't look like they reversed the film. Yeah. Or anything. It yeah, like you said seamless. It looks insane, and it's it was amazing. all done with like a model, like plastic fake Christine, a fake Plymouth Fury with air tubes blow to make it blow itself up like a balloon, hmm. which wow. sounds like garbage, <laughs> which sounds stupid. How did they get it to look that good? It yeah. looks like better than any effects in the Terminator. The Terminator has incredible effects. This looks like something that rick baker couldn't accomplish i was gonna say yeah it looks like stop motion better than stop motion kind yeah of an effect real life stop motion it looks yeah. like just time i mean you could hear people when we were showing in the theater there were some stunned reactions people were like reacting with like kind of open mouth smacks it's pretty cool against what they're seeing it's when you see these these special effects are so important to my love of movies mm. these kind of people that did a thing and made it look, made, did a cool thing for people to see. Special effects, the first time right. you're aware of what a special effect is. It's like a magic trick. And seeing these things, you never know which ones you're going to get from a certain young age. But seeing these tricks, it's exciting. I, th- I think it's, it's even really better special. when you learn, like, yeah, when you learn the amount of detail and work that goes into some, you know, miniature model from Star Wars. Yeah. Or something like this, it's just like... Yeah, how did they think knowing of it? how much knowing Rick Baker put in how did they almost do a year on American Werewolf? Right, exactly, and it makes it all so much more incredible. You make you really find yourself looking at it and not being able to find any fault, you know. And this, I'm watching this movie in the biggest screen I've possibly see this movie on, and it looks it looks like in gorgeous, yeah, like iconic cinema. One of the greatest practical effects in movie history. I love it. And, oh, I'm so glad we chose. That was one of those moments like, we did the right thing. Yeah. People are enjoying this. People are impressed by this. This shouldn't be as cool as this is. Exactly. I know. That's the thing. <laughs> this movie and this whole premise should not be this, like, impressive. No. And, yeah, the the kill against Moochie when he thinks he's safe because he gets he's into in this, this little, tiny little delivery uh, back door. Right. Bay Christine seemingly Christine's can't too get to wide because it's a big ass 1958 boat, and then just the yeah, the, just the way the car just crushes itself to get to him. Yeah, has such personality in that moment, and so you really get that the 
fury, the I rage coming across in it, the there's roar. A, there's is a just so good connecting horror thread, and King is good at it, and and a lot of the horror masters touch on it is kind of like a disfigurement or contortionism, mm. uh, like some of the best X Files episode deals with that one guy that contortionist oh sure those are some of the the creepiest like that stuff was on television for kids to see and king deals in that kind of contortionism so it's kind of just unsettling to a degree i mean you think about rebuilding i think rebuilding a car from spare parts what is that that's Frankenstein. Yeah, it's this Frankenstein thing. And I love the Frankenstein level of horror that we get into. So when Christine contorts herself and a car just jamming its body, revving its engine. Oh, my God. Right. How scared would you be? You're moochie. This you car get, is six feet away from you. At that moment, too, I almost get the sense that Christine feels the pain of that crunch. Oh, and wow. She's feeling her own disfigurement. Damn. But she does it anyways, because yeah. the anger and rage at, at Moochie drives her to, even though this is going to hurt and I'm going to have to regenerate from this, I'm going to crush this kid. Yeah. You know? And the same thing with Buddy when it oh, sacrifices geez. itself to jam the other car into the garage. and It's dude, crazy. The demolition derby kind of. The car insanity. on fire. This is one well, of Well, yeah. Well, one before of the great... that, I want to. The, the transformation of Arnie. Throughout all of Christine, as she's killing all of anybody who's slightly wronged Arnie, mm-hmm. they start getting this weird symbiotic relationship. And Arnie saw so this interview with <laughs> the guy, Keith Gordon. Keith Gordon. Yeah. And he's talking about how, you know, Carpenter and they were very clear that, you know, you got to treat Christine like a woman. So he's very careful when he was, he's talking about his interview. He's like, so I wanted to very subtly, like, you know, touch her like a woman. It's like, so that's subtly touching this car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second Christine is restored, Keith Gordon is like, it's almost certain that he is going to have sex with this car. Right. The horny vibes of this movie that were present for the first half hour or so are now just Keith Gordon, like, way into Christine. Mm-hmm. Just way into it. Uh, just this lust for an inanimate object turned on deeper and harder. It's this crazy Cronenberg <laughs> obsession story. Totally. And it's, again, preposterous, but effective, actually scary, actually human. Uh, the f- relationships feel real. The friendship between Dennis and Arnie mm-hmm. feels real. Definitely. Uh, we've, again, lost a friend. Maybe we've not lost a friend due to a strange as circumstances as this, but it's happened. Or we've, and we've the, all also those wounds had, are somewhat fresh. We've also had the friend who's always dated some crazy girl or something, right? Sure, There's some, always been something that. like that, yeah. right. <laughs> right, can't get rid You're of Christine. You're just like, what does he see in this oh, car? Oh, man, one of, my, one of my best work friends is Christine. Uh-oh. <laughs> she's, the, she's the wild friend for a while. Okay. I wonder if there was... She has a bad memory in this movie. <laughs> this movie gives people bad memories. It's scary. It's a movie that played on TV a lot. As you said, your memories of it are a TV kind right. of flick. Because it can be trimmed to a PG-13 pretty quickly. Moochie, when he dies, he gets cut in half. Christine jams herself into a tighter and tighter space until she just forces this dude's body apart. We don't really see that. 
Did no. Moochie go, ah! Right. That could have been disgusting. That could have been a full flopping torso halves, you know? Right, we don't get any gore. Or no gore, really so blood or anything. No, not really, just an anguished, ah! Yeah. So it cleans up well. It's scary as is. And Arnie, when he starts really, like, there's almost a... It's like an undressing scene hmm. with him and Christine alone in Darnell's garage where she's wrecked and he wants to see her rebuilt. Like he gets it. He finally is buying all in. Mm-hmm. He's been obsessed, but now he's buying exactly what the cult leader's selling. And that shot. Tell me, this guy's just taking the gig. <laughs> the shot he frames at the far distance of Darnell's garage, the long shot with Arnie in the foreground, Christine in the background, with her headlights turning on around Arnie. That's a shot. Mm-hmm. That's a horror shot. And that's got a great carpenter. With his thing. score yeah. under Bow. it. Yeah, that great pang. Oh, man. That's a movie. I'm into it. And that's when you see Christine rebuild. Mm-hmm. I... I am dumbstruck by this scene. I love how it looks. What a celebration of what could be seen, what could be done in horror movie. I love it. It's right up there with the stuff in The Thing or American mm. Werewolf. I think Videodrome, that same level of caliber of special makeup effects. Incredible work. I wanted to see all of Christine on this movie, but that car, when it builds to Buddy Rupperton's death, again, one of the worst bullies on screen <laughs> just a 40 year old man the worst case of jimbo jones dude yeah old face this guy didn't hardly anything else carpenter cast this 40 year old looking 23 year old <laughs> with the biggest mutton chops man holding a switchblade to a kid over what because he looked at him weird. Jeez. I don't think it's ever even determined. I think no, they, they just, just don't like him. Because he's a nerd, yeah. It got into it a bit in the the book, mm-hmm. their history. But uh, I like how they just cut to it here. Buddy is just torturing this guy. Thank God I did not live in Stephen King's Maine mm. growing up. Yeah, I don't right. know what King went through, man. <laughs> but yeah. Carpenter is able to make it look scary <laughs> and the kill once Arnie's possessed, and the way he's still trying to connect, and people are still trying to connect, and the threads, of the friendship are kind of unraveling, and the people that are with him are just getting farther away from him, you know. And people are still trying to relate to him; they're concerned, and it's the story of like you know, you get that deep sense of a kid. It's a drug story, right? It does, you know, it, and yeah. it, but it never dips into the cheesiness of an after-school special. It's about the same addictions. It's about something more ridiculous than being addicted to any drug. Mm-hmm. Being addicted to your car. I want to go feel my car up. <laughs> that V on the car. Eh? You know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> like, yeah, we know. We know, man. But yeah, it definitely, it, there's a, a good section of the movie where Dennis and Arnie are just kind of playing the part of friends. Yeah. And th- that you can tell that there's that, a strain that distance there. is there. But they still kind of get together for New Year's Eve because it's what you do. It's what they've been doing. Yeah, it's what you do. And yeah. But they don't. Yeah, they're they're strangers now. We go through those things. Yeah. You know, there's ways traditions grow. And then there's every tra- but every other tradition has to die. You can't do mm. everything. 
So something ends. You might not know it's the last time you're doing something, but it's tough when you can feel something slipping. We've all gone through it. It's very human, very relatable, and it feels very real here. Uh, for, for guys that both, it's interesting how many people in this movie went on to be just directors. Stop yeah. It's like Carpenter got this guy, this sense of a lot of good people that play well on film, regardless of their age. Because again, Arnie's mom and dad are like 20 years apart. Mm-hmm. And look, he has this young mom and this old, bald, mustache dad looking like the, I learned it from watching you, dad. It's definitely that dad, yeah. <laughs> it's like totally that dad. And uh, Robert Prosky's never looked more gross. This yeah. Cigar stomping kind of slob. But still a lot of good faces and a lot of good characters regardless of their age. Like he just was going for a certain vibe. And I think how deeply I'm affected by this movie shows that he nailed that vibe. So as it's supposed to be getting more silly, I'm just like, holy shit, is that is Christine on fire? Yeah. She's still going after she's on fire. This idea of an inanimate object that doesn't quit. You remember how scared I got in The Terminator? Oh, yeah. When we were in the theater and that was playing, man? Total baby about it. <laughs> I was such a weenie <laughs> with some of these things. I get When I get scared, I get scared. Christine is very much The Terminator, though. And yeah, it's that thing that just wants to kill. When they're going over what makes The Terminator so scary, how he doesn't, you can't reason with him. Right. So that 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 scares me so much. I that haunts me. You can't reason with it. Something you can't reason with is scary. You're automatically at bad odds. Now I keep thinking Cameron was ripping off Christine with the Terminator cuz wow, it, it was it, a year earlier. It huh? kind of ends in the same kind of trash compactor uh, <laughs> kind of scenario. Wow. <laughs> We've t- It seems like every time hmm. we do a Carpenter movie, hmm. we immediately think of a more popular bigger movie. <laughs> Right. That, that ripped off this Carpenter movie. And it's always comes to us in the middle of the episode, one movie at a time. Exactly. But everyone seems to have a direct, like, he did this. How was this not big? Two years later, this guy, really? This was the one that got big? You know, it's it's crazy what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. These movies make money. But, I mean, I could have seen Christine being like an $80 million moneymaker instead of a... 25 30 million dollars say how do you, how do you do here good i mean 20, 20 mil yeah the guy makes guy guys dependable budget. at doing an 8 to 10 million budget and getting 20 mil he's done it a bunch and I, he's got to do it in a bunch of cool ways i wonder if this movie wasn't a little bit um just a victim of kind of a stephen king saturation in the early 80s too well like this, this i mean it was to the point where this movie was already a done deal before the book had come out exactly i was going to say this, this thing was came that, out like king 6 was months later that right big yeah where his books were an event the movies were a guarantee like this was yeah king mania mhm so yeah i'm sure there was saturation at that point but it was also viewed as you know a bankable name right a guaranteed hit so you know just give carpenter it's a risk taking something like that on because it'll never be yours as much as his other movies are obviously all his. You're always reinterpreting somebody else's material. Right. No matter how much you put into it and how amazing it reads, it'll never be fully yours. It is kind of great, though, that he puts John Carpenter's Christine, like at least on the poster. Right? He's like, yeah. I'll, Very I'll, chill. Yeah. <laughs> you never, I, you know... Maybe He's like, that's my thing. My I name really, goes above the title. I've probably read Stephen King more than any author that I've read. 
and I like reading books. Mm-hmm. Like Stephen King, I think I've probably read more than any of them. And there is that certain uh, self-effacing humbleness. And, you know, you expect some boastfulness from authors. It's accomplishing to, to write that many books that oh, are that yeah. good. What a feat. So you get a little bit of ego might come with that. But he seems like a pretty, pretty real dude. And uh, some of that self-effacing nature comes through in movies like this. And Carpenter plays that really well. He finds that that thing that makes King's book scary. Mm. And he makes it scary. Uh, how did a killer car sound on the audiobook? How did that sound? Was it scary? Did your imagination make it scary? Or did the visuals just do a way better job? Uh, there's There were a few moments where the, the, the narrator would create the roaring sounds but more no. more often than not it was he did the christine sounds too i think there's a few times where it happens because okay because okay, okay, in okay. the book because in the book it'll be like or something like, okay hold on but mostly i remember the book just there there was a constant uh thing of christine's engine revving and then falling off revving then falling off okay you know kind of that repeating mantra kind of you wouldn't yeah. go like i don't think so all right, so would maybe he, once or I gotta twice know, it happened. Did this guy like do try and do accurate impressions of songs that Christine played? So is this guy reading the book and it's like, no, and I then as he... Dennis got closer, I'm gonna tell no. you how it's gonna be. <laughs> no, we never got that deep. Oh, so yeah. how good is this guy really? <laughs> how could you get fully in if you aren't getting the uh, if you aren't getting that little Richard? I think it was just mostly yeah, it was just mostly just. I don't, I don't. I don't remember there being like lyrics. Come on, that guy's got to. That guy's got to dance like nobody's watching. <laughs> when he's do, he's got to get into Christine. Do you have this man's name? Uh, not off the top of my head. Was it Tony Shalhoub? It was not someone I recognized. Okay. It <laughs> Sometimes like, it's you know, uh, it like more cool. if there's a celebrity attached to a, a a property. But Christine has a weird, powerful hold on me. That idea of something inanimate that is dangerous. It's the same kind of terror I got from 2001. You know, that, that yeah, fear yeah. of HAL 9000. Hal, sure. One of the, one of the scare, most scared I've been, and that was just watching it on PBS. Holter Graham is the narrator of the audiobook. Uh, okay. Guy. Yeah. Legend. Uh, but, you know, HAL... Geez, watching on, you know, public access television on a Saturday night where they usually show old 70s Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Then I'm taking on this mind trip from the history of time. And it's the most <laughs> intense thing a 15-year-old's seeing, you know. And it's so scary, this inanimate object as this overseeing God. I didn't know Harlan Ellison. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about these kind of uh, computer overlord Matrix futures. This is my exposure to it. So this fear of inanimate objects is real. And this Plymouth Fury is just something off about it. Something too pretty about it. Something, you know, can a car be evil? That's weird. That shouldn't be cool. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. I I take this movie so seriously. The yeah, scares no, I, in this movie I take so serious. I think, yeah, visually they give it life. Uh, the, the Just the way the kind of camera circles around this car during shots. It just gives it so much dimension and and personality and like i said i'm not a car guy i think i remember when we watched on blu-ray for the first time when you see it at the football field and it does that kind of a round shot where you're seeing all of its angles Mm -hmm. 
That's why we yeah. everybody in the room let out some kind of verbal non-word of appreciation. Some kind of hmm. <laughs> like right. all of us just kind of hypnotized by Christine's shining angles. Crazy. Well, and then at the end when it's like that the final showdown. Yeah. Where Christine goes after Dennis and, and Lee uh at Darnell's. Uh the sound of it roaring and the the grill looking like teeth and yeah, just the the power. Uh, one thing that one thing does really scare me intense. that that's also relatable is I think we've all been in at least everybody has gotten the privilege by now of being in one like at least semi scary car accident. Oh yeah, we've either gotten a car totaled or been next to a car that got totaled. We've, we're old enough to have been driving long enough for that to share. happen. Yeah, yeah. I've been rear-ended, hit and run. I've, you know, we all have some bad luck. I'm never at fault. <laughs> uh, that metal on metal sound, man. Totally. And yeah, that yeah. fear, that, that crunch, jumpiness that I had. I remember being on Petaluma Hill Road, one lane each way, and it's like 55. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to turn left off of it, single lane. And that split second where you see in your mirror that this guy's not avoiding me. Damn, that's scary. Yeah, yeah. That's real. I'm lucky that he's in a small pickup and I was in a van, but it still messed my van up. I'm lucky he didn't push me into traffic, though. That's a real fear we face just whenever we leave the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I get it, the them being scary. That metal on metal is a scary sound that we've all heard, that we all have a bad memory associated with. Oh, how scary is it when you're just like hearing it like a tire suddenly... So yeah. in the distance, you're like, oh, God, someone's about to get yeah, you an accident. you can hear an accident almost happening. But when yeah. you hear a crash, that you, you know it's a crash. Yeah. When you hear me- that metal on metal, you know it's this foreign sound that you don't hear every day. And it's, uh, we have, everybody has negative memories associated with that. So this movie just keeps hitting on all those. And it shouldn't be as effective as it is, but it really gets to me. It really, Carpenter has shown that he can make any stupid thing scary mm-hmm. to me you can make mouth trumpet peter jason eventually uh <laughs> scary to me man this guy just knows how to just get under my skin he knows how to scare me and i love how his scares look genius this movie is a great looking movie mm-hmm. i'm so happy we got it on the big screen it is ridiculous to me the showdown that this movie comes down to what a silly (laughs) big car versus car finish right this giant monster truck rally grave digger versus uh bone crusher it's like a giant tractor essentially dennis gets into yeah to uh to try to crush christine to battle bots it out um and uh, in the book, to it's, crush the car that's done nothing but survive worse and worse crashes, right. and and suddenly, yeah, and is able to that lit itself, itself on fire with witnesses in one of the most gorgeous scenes ever shot. Man, Buddy Repperton getting chased down. Mm-hmm. That's that Radiohead video. It is. Yeah, <laughs> that's another thing Man. they ripped off of Carpenter. Yeah. Karma Police, you're busted. You, we got you. You got Carpenter. <laughs> Twelve years earlier, radio. That should be like the Simpsons meme where it's just like Carpenter did Carpenter it first. Carpenter did it. Carpenter, Carpenter already did, it, did it, it. And he did it the best. I'm going to make a t-shirt of that. My sister, she had never seen Christine. It was like a religious horror experience for her, too. 
Hmm. It's happening to I'm glad, others. I'm glad other people that get love. it. Yeah. Seeing it, especially, I think so many people in attendance hadn't seen it. So their first experience was on the big screen. Hmm. That's very exciting. And my sister, when a movie really hits her, when she, when a movie actually makes her pay attention, it's it's cool. When it really makes her snap up. And she was so bubbly about Christine. Hmm. It's like this movie just kept doing the things she wanted it to do. She got into all the characters. And then she was got that visual of Christine on fire and set that huge explosion. Oh, yeah. At uh, Don Vandenberg's garage. It's crazy how good Carpenter can do explosions, That too. explosion is as good as any Chuck Norris mm-hmm. Invasion USA explosion, man. Primo nighttime explosion. Definitely. If that's a one-shot, we gotta get it, you got it. <laughs> you nailed it, man. And when Christine is ramming Buddy's car and cause like causing absolute chaos mm-hmm. filmed so well that you can never see inside of christine the blackest I eyes that. yeah i like love that doll's eyes <laughs> it, right right it's jaws on wheels yeah baby. you don't see some guy just like <laughs> just a, a shoulder hunch up out of view you know really well done old school camera trick mm-hmm. same kind of tv movie vibe practical but that first, I love when Buddy, who is the most understandably overly confident kid, this kid is the little league dude who is like a foot taller than everyone else and looks like a ringer. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure we all had those people around us. Buddy's the extreme example of that. But the confidence of this kid doesn't care that he's getting expelled, would literally murder a man, <laughs> doesn't. And the moment where Buddy finally realizes that he's not in charge. Because he's still like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, it's my car. And suddenly when he's realized, like, oh, this is life or death. <laughs> right. Like, this I'm not, not, I'm not the around. boss anymore. This is uh, this is happening, and it's happening right now. Right. He goes from, like, hey, man, that's my to, like, all right, well, how fast can I run in these boots? <laughs> He does not run very fast in those boots. No, and Christine... He should have worked on his dude, running form in, in gym class. A very scary thing to me is, you know, the car just running somebody out to their death. Yeah. King, you know, the long walk. The That's one of, you know, the, the most emotionally affecting King short stories. And uh, that letting a man run himself out of energy... <laughs> Right, run himself to his inevitable death, his unceremonious, undignified kathump kathump. <laughs> you know, simple couple tires over him, death. Mm-hmm. Oh, just taking him out, just undignified man. Christine's like torturing a man, not just vicious, right? Psychologically, but, but yeah, but just messing with people. Those deaths are really like ugh, scary, right. and when. When Arnie's just getting so deeply into Christine and goes to visit Dennis and the friendship's more and more fractured. There's still a friendship there, but it's different now. And we don't know why it's not, you know, going to go back. And Arnie does one of the biggest asshole moves on cinema (laughs) where he does the meanest beer pour. Oh, (laughs) We've ever seen in a movie. Shit. He he brings shit. Yeah. The shitter pour. 
Oh, he brings like Dennis a six pack because Dennis gets laid out on the football field and almost gets paralyzed. Yeah. So he's in the hospital for most of the movie. Hardy brings him a sixer, a real shitter sixer, and <laughs> pours the most foam I've ever seen come out of a can of beer. I can see if you're tapping a beer and somebody doesn't know how to work a tap. Right. Getting right. a foamy pour. Arnie somehow fills a full, tall, 16-ounce glass with nothing but foam and has this smug, like, Tim Heidecker kind of dumb guy smirk the whole time. Like, every inch of this is planned. Uh-huh. Like, I've been rehearsing this beer foam routine for weeks. That's that's the metaphor for the friendship. It's like a beer, but if it's just all head. Yeah, and man. No, no beer. That's where it the friendship's the at. Big, it is a, a shocking. Letdown. This got verbal reactions <laughs> when this gets played. Like, it is so insulting to your senses. Just this, like, hey, buddy, let me get you this drink. And then making this weird, unbreaking eye contact with you when I pour you this just like shitty now, beer. Now, I wonder if that's not just what beer was back in the 80s. <laughs> because I recently saw the meme of like uh, all the sh- all these like screenshots from Cheers. And it's just Norm with a beer that's all foam. It's all foam, and it's and like, like, and it's so light you can see every detail in his necktie through the beer. <laughs> right. Just clearly like soap suds, yeah. you know, on set or whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, is that just what people expected from their beer in the 80s? Like, it's just coming out. Because cans used to be, beer cans They're used like to be small these. Small little cans. Well, and they, they they didn't have those pull tops, you no. know, forever. And like in Mad Men, you see Don Draper have to use like the bottle op- or the can <laughs> opener yeah. on his can of beer. It's just like, is that what we were doing? Yeah, we were just putting these things in like tin cans and be <laughs> like, much, I don't man. know how you open it, but fucking good luck getting people their their sugar alcohol. So maybe yeah, maybe it's just like he, there wasn't like a tab to let the air out, so it's just it was like a plastic foam. tab, like a pull tab, like you'd find on your apple juice can right. in the eighties. It was that garbage. The, the leverage <laughs> based push pull tab was uh, was a. Later I mean, we thing. get like the wide mouth things now. Like we're so pampered in our. <laughs> Beer or, yeah. can or like design. the Coors ones with the with the air funnel. Oh yeah, it's like for better aerodynamics of the poor science and the color of the Rockies change. Like real like and Arnie comes in. There's and some development great, going into. We beer. get some great movie beers. Arnie comes in. I, you can't really get a good sense of the beer that he brings in and does the full foam pour right. on. It's just this cool black and red can. Black and red's cool, sinister shit. <laughs> then later he's got the like old cross. Mm. beer like when he's driving and drinking and driving with in christine and you know what are you a shitter you're not gonna drink oh you're one of those no drinking and driving pussies (laughs) he's that guy all of a sudden exactly oh i'm sorry oh i'm just having a beer while i drive thought this was america emma's oh we can't listen to the standells and chug a beer now oh i'm sorry just a weird, like, what is with my friend? Right. Like, what is this dude's problem? Arnie's like the original guy to be like, you know, back to a better time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Arnie becomes so unlikable, but everybody is believably frustrated and scared for him. Mm-hmm. And I like how serious people take this threat. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton comes into the movie over an hour into it looking so good. Yeah. Carpenter made Harry Dean Stanton look magnificent. What a what a what a man! Mm-hmm. What a joy! Again, I don't think I get happier watching anybody other than him. What a what a face! 
And his face looks so good. So what a nice color. Nice skin for his age. Sure. It's the best age for him. Good color. Good color. He's a guy who always looked 54. When he, the first, the oldest stuff, you know, old episodes, a wagon train. <laughs> Black and white TV from the 60s that I've seen him in, the FBI. He looked like a, you know, 46-year-old, 28-year-old guy. And so now, right when he hit 54, since he'd already looked 54, it's like, man, that's a really good-looking 54. He's a handsome guy for his age. It's not a Steve Buscemi thing, where he gets kind of weirder right. and becomes more of a character actor. Harry Dean <laughs> Stanton's like, what a cool guy. What a cool noir detective. He really does have that 40s cool skinny suit, skinny necktie, hound dog face. Mm-hmm. Great head of hair, too. What a good, good messy parted haircut. I love Harry Dean Stanton. We love you, Harry. I love Harry Dean Stanton pulling a Columbo. Mm-hmm. Knowing there's more to a story, but knowing the way to ask a question. Knowing how to antagonize the guy he knows has to be guilty. Right. His interactions with... Uh, with Arnie are really good. He's he's a great guy that does the Columbo playing dumb that we know isn't dumb. Mm-hmm. It's it's good. And Arnie, we know when Arnie's lies doesn't sound good. We know he's not a dummy that's going to get fooled. So it's a it, it could have been a messy plot, but it's kind of necessary because Arnie's bullies start getting killed. Right. And everybody knows they're Arnie's bullies. They all know Arnie's the common denominator. So police activity is kind of necessary without it being egregiously absent. So Harry Dean Stanton's a cool choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lose Robert Prosky to a crushing. So then it picks up with a cooler character actor in Harry Dean Stanton. So great flow with the professionals coming. But even then, man, as it gets crazier and crazier, and even Harry Dean Stanton immediately believes him. Like, nope, this car was on fire. It's literally impossible for it to be totally fine right now. I believe you. How do we fix this? <laughs> Thank you for not giving us an additional 20 minutes mm-hmm. of figuring out, like, it can't be the case, but I see it with my own, like, thank you. <laughs> Carpenter knows how to edit. He knows how to hit his mark. And this is so effective and so keeps the scare factor high because I don't know where this is going to go because I don't know what is possible. I don't mm-hmm. know what can happen. And when we see Christine fully engulfed in flames, driving down a dark field, wow. It's movie magic. <laughs> it's movie magic. I don't even care about the conclusion of the movie, which is ridiculous. A monster truck battle royal car showdown. Their idea that the best thing they can do to fix this is crush the car that, again, has only shown an ability Clearly to uncrush itself. Yeah. If it can do one thing... It can uncrush overnight with witnesses. Yeah. So I don't understand the like mission accomplished banner getting dropped. <laughs> Where we like, just like, well, three, four people before us, we've crushed it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, and then I it's... don't get the comfort level. Well, yeah. It's also a sad story because we lose Arnie, he doesn't make it. Arnie goes. Like, Arnie goes out horny to death. It's a, yeah, yeah. That's his horniest moment. Is his final. His final actions and movements are just on the car, rubbing Christine's V, the That's Plymouth was, Fury yeah. V, in a really like we know what this is, like a little yeah. bit, just like, geez, Arnie, come on, like have <laughs> some, 
Go out on top a little bit, buddy. Yeah. Even the car's like, hey, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I was, I'm just for evil. <laughs> I, I was only using you as a human avatar with which to murder. I, I don't uh, view us this way. Now I want the ending of Christine to be a guy coming in going, someone set this thing to evil. <laughs> Flipping a switch. I mean, that's as good of explanation we get. All yeah. we get is Christ- we get a whole origin story. And I love the Christine origin story because it doesn't explain anything. Right. No, you it never is, have to see lightning hit it or anything like that. Yeah, it's it just Christine is. on the assembly line just murdering, just being a brat. Yeah. Breaking a guy's wrist who gets it slammed in her hood, killing some guy by who knows what, asphyxiation she or seemed, something. Uh, I think she's able to carbon monoxide poison people and stuff. And yeah, lock the doors, lock the windows, pumping. Yeah, just a bad apple. Yeah, a exactly. bad cherry apple red. Just fury. rotten, rotten to the core. Rotten to the core. And so that's again such a buy-in. Okay, evil car, born bad. Mm-hmm. Not like a bad biker driving an ugly motorcycle, but he's like the rapist. Right. Nope. It's just the, the car. It's the yeah. It's the car itself. The car makes sick mixtapes, <laughs> and it might choke your girlfriend. At least the movie isn't just like, also, Christine killed a baby. <laughs> the book was just like, better make sure that it killed a family. Right. That it targeted a family. Psychologically and physically. Christine's like a psychological torturer in the book. <laughs> really messes yep. with people. You get that a little bit here with the playful mixtapes that it crafts. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's Dennis self-aware. is trying to break in, and that's when you hear, yeah, I yeah. hear you knocking. Those... I, I like seeing that with a group because there was this kind of relieved laughter, I got a sense, in the room. Like, people were like, all right, it's okay to laugh. Oh, yeah. Right now, because it keeps building so much tension and so many uncomfortable interactions, whether with bullies or uh, Arnie confronting his parents mm-hmm. or awkward sexual encounters, you know, teen sex encounters. For a movie that started out like, we got to get you laid, it was like, Arguing over how what base you can get to, that awkward, mean negotiation yeah. between a kid who wants it too bad. You know, uh, it goes cringe. into some, some deeper <laughs> waters and uh, that, are, that are a way different tone than we start out with. And as the Carpenter score picks up and you have to buy more into the idea of like, this car's just going to be an evil asshole. Maybe you can turn it into a cube, sort of. Probably not, though. Like, what are we going to do, a Christine 2? Could have. Ooh, yeah. What's the way to, to melt down? That's when Carp. Uh, 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 Cameron knows. Cameron's to like, put him in the lava. melt him. Yeah. You got to get lava. <laughs> lava beats. Everybody knows lava beats everything. Carpenter couldn't do lava. Yeah. I, I figured. Yeah. Cameron's, I mean, just, at the Cameron's end, just like, I cracked the code. At the end of the movie, you do get Christine in a cube, but she does kind of do the Terminator thumbs up with the. You see a couple of wires still moving. Yeah. I, I get that I right at it. the end. I love this the funny double take when you hear a rock and roll song. It's just some gas station attendant walking by with a boombox. Oh yeah, yeah. Radio Rahim working at the right, working at the dump. Love it. That's a, That's another great. That's Good a great way to go out. out. That's a fun classic horror fake out ending. And then yeah, Christine kind of moving her little like grill eyebrow. It's, <laughs> it's like practically a wink. I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. 
It's it's like literally the front of the grill that already looks like a mouth. Just kind of like, hey. But then, of course, you get the banana. Oh, yeah. We close out with the bad to the bone. This is bookends the movie. Okay. Honest to God. And it's tough since you we've grown up with that song as somehow the most, let's just call it what it is. baby. The most iconic song in the history of rock and roll. <laughs> let's let's. How many times tell, have you tell it like? How many tease. times, as a man who's gone to see movies for most of his life, mm-hmm. have you heard either that or James Brown's "I Feel Good" in sure. front of a theater, in front of some trailer, oh, in I, any theater that you've gone to in yeah. your life? No, "Bad to the Bone" is ubiquitous. That's in. It's in every. Seems thing. like it should be in everything. It plays in, you want to use it with baby geniuses because a baby's wearing <laughs> sunglasses. You use it in baby geniuses. Somehow you use it in the Terminator, the coolest, most badass killing machine ever, and it still works. How is this song so durable? We don't know, but it needs to bookend this movie. Okay, hand to God. Okay. <laughs> You've had years of this being the most iconic, durable song in American songwriting history. Sure. So it's going to be sure. tough to be unbiased. Okay. You're a coffee boy. You're sitting in on the production sessions for George Thorogood and the Destroyers, Bad to the Bone. Your ears are the first ears that are hearing the finished product of Bad to the Bone. The original vision of George Thorogood to tell the world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that he is a cool dude who ain't to be messed with. Because he's been bad since birth. Right, right. And everybody is supposed to hope that it is indeed super cool. First impressions, if you can put yourself there in that room. Mark my words, he'll never make it. Do you? What do you think? <laughs> is this a song that is instantly iconic because it is like, I don't know why it works, but it definitely works. The riff is iconic, if nothing yeah. else. Is, this just, is, is it universally agreed upon? Is there a sourpuss out there? Who just kind of folds his arms and can't enjoy? I have to assume. Bad yeah. to the bone. No, it's not a good song. Like it's it's that's the it's, thing. It should be a novelty song. That it's not like uh yeah it's it should not be the classic that it is. But I think it's simple. It's kind of like the you know the Ramones or something like the simplicity. But it's not far from it being makes like it accessible to like you were saying. It's like it's the most accessible just. When you think of a rock <laughs> but riff, it sh- but it shouldn't work if it's just like dad rock, twenty ten. I mean, the, you know, I mean, the, it's the not, masses have spoken, Eric. I, you can be the guy that's trying to question this song, but generations look, have already told you this is the people the have real spoken, deal, and the people love riff rock. Yeah, but the movie leans so into its kind of big build up and doesn't shy away. It's like you know what. We're a killer car movie. This is an we're giving you an evil, vengeful killer car. Yeah, I respect that, and I do respect that, and I think that's why I connect so hard with it. I again, it has such a fond place in my heart for that. It was an honest to god movie connection that we had with this movie when we saw it on Blu-ray for the first time. It was one of those movies like two thousand and one, one of the first Blu-rays I got. Because I had to see what this vision looked like. I don't want to keep comparing Christine to 2001. (laughs) Seems like you do, though. But (laughs) I do genuinely get affected by this movie. It does scare me. Knowing full well the whole time how silly it is. Yeah. 
it still gets me. It got me worse in the theater seeing it this way. But yeah, I think just us talking a long time about how into Christine we were seeing it that day. I think that's what led to this. And it came to this. It did come to this. I'm so glad we got to knock another carpenter off our list. Yeah, I, I never know which one is going to be next. I gotta. I, I feel like uh, I gotta revisit our carpenter top ten. Oh yeah, we've now seen so many since that top ten that it might might have changed. I remember Christine was maybe like right in the middle for me, and I think I might. I, I think I might have to bump it up a spot <sighs> wherever it was. I think I just. I'm gonna put it up one more. I need spot. to find mine and yeah. see what I can move because I my lists always evolve. Ever evolving, ever changing, mm-hmm. and I just keep loving each carpenter more than the <laughs> the next. Every time I revisit a carpenter, it always just keeps having to go up. Exactly. Eventually, one of them's going to be like, you know what? That part didn't age well. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Village of the Damned. I, I don't know. Right. I know. But, well, it's been so long since I've seen that. I'm like, what if I watch Village of the Damned again and it like. What if it, what if it rips? <laughs> yeah. What if it's just like, guess I'm a Village of the Damned guy now. Guess I'm that guy. Only one way I to find see out. It. I know it's going to happen. Yeah. But I love the man. He gets me. Came to this. It did. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Good night, you shitters. Ha <laughs> ha!